The following is a conversation with Betzalel Rothstein. Betzalel is a family mediator and relationship coach who does a lot of work in the world of divorce. In this episode, he shared a lot about his background, his experiences, and the things he's learned along the way. Betzalel is really a wellspring of wisdom and such a gentle, humble, and easygoing person to talk to. It was a real pleasure speaking to him, and I do hope he will join us again in the future to cover some additional important topics. Without further ado, here's the episode. You're listening to the Let's Get Serious podcast, the relationship podcast for from men, single, married, separated, divorced. There's something here for the whole Hevra. Here's your host, Nathan Gettysburg. Hey, welcome to the episode. I'm here with Betzalel Rothstein. Hi, Betzalel. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the Let's Get Serious podcast, and uh, thanks for sharing your personal story. Uh, let me start off by just trying to get some more background about you. Let's uh, let's start talking. Let's start off with your your marriage career, if we can say so. Like, how old were you when you got married, or better yet, how old were you when you started dating? How did you meet your ex-wife? <laughs> Good question. My marriage career. I never I never really quite put it like that, and I really I should never like thought of it in that context well, if we have shit of um, resumes I definitely, I definitely, you know it makes right. sense that we have marriage so, careers sure yes the thing is like i didn't really go through that whole shit process i i went to i grew up in like you know more modern orthodox sort of circles actually i went to a co-ed high school i hope you don't mm. lose any listeners over this <laughs> but, listening um, to a, a podcast there on the internet already yeah, hold the other story when you have a guest who went to a college high school. But anyway, so you know, I was actually introduced to my first wife, my friend, a friend that I had to have gone to yeshiva with, and you know, and I was I was 24 at the time. So amongst amongst my my good friends, I was I was on the later end of of getting married. I was I was already post yeshiva. And I was already a working man of sorts at the time. And yeah, a good friend of mine who had been my roommate in Yeshiva and also I had been sharing an apartment with, and he uh, set us up. Wow. That's great. That's often a very nice way to meet. And you know what? And yeah. even though even though I, I ended up getting divorced from that woman, but my I'm still friends with my old Yeshiva roommate who, who set oh, yeah. me up. Right, right. Wow, I mean, he meant well. He did mean um, well. He did mean well, definitely. Right. How, uh, how long did you date, and uh, what what was what was her background like? Did your backgrounds mesh well? Was there? Wow, another good question. So what I would say is like this: we. I'm trying to think. You know that we got we got married in August of 2001. We got married like right before. 9-11 hmm. yeah pretty crazy and how long did we date for and i feel like i feel like we started dating probably like at the end of the winter so i'd say we're probably, we're probably dating for about six months or so there were there were definitely enough times when i thought that this wasn't going to be the one and there were probably also some times that I, she thought it was i wasn't going to be the one mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't that, you know, that we weren't already honeymooning during the dating process or, you know, should I say, you know, 
you know, the courtship wasn't, you know, part of the honeymoon. And it probably wasn't even courtship 100% of the time. But I think that what we saw in each other while we were dating was that we each had strengths that the other one lacked. And I think that there was a vision that we would sort of, you know, like fill in each other's blanks, that we were complementary to each other. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it turned out that we were toxic to each other. Hmm. But I think that there was also a potential that we could have been complementary to each other had we, you know, had things gone differently. I think that that was the vision that we saw. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was like a very, there was a very delicate chemical mix that yeah. could have gone either way. When, when, you know, you said you were, you know, there were times where you thought yes, times you thought no, because I also expect and, and welcome singles or people dating to listen to the show as well. I'm wondering, like, in, in, at that time, did you, were there rabbis that you consulted or, you know, people you consulted to try to get perspective and help you make a decision? Or did you just go with your gut? I can't say, I, I didn't have anyone that I was like, really like leaning on so much as like a, as a dating coach of sorts. But like, I would, I would talk to my friends, talk to my friends who, who were, you know, who were already married. I would be talking to some of my single friends. I would say that where I was in life at that time, I was fairly motivated to get married. You know, I was probably like, you know, in like the last, you know, among the last members of my chevra to get married. And, uh, you know, it was, things were getting a little bit lonely. Not going to lie. Mm. You know, there was, there was definitely a lot of, you know, social pressure, peer pressure. The one right. thing, thank God, I, I say, you know, my parents, they might have been thinking it, but they never pushed me. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I have to say that That's that good. I'm I'm definitely grateful for that because I would say that that I I pushed myself enough, plenty, mm-hmm. because you know it's uh not easy being single. Were, were your parents involved in, like you know, some parents are just hands off in general and you know don't want to even make any decision for you? Did they? Do they get involved and say, hey, we think this is a good match or not a good match? Or, or were they just the kind of parents who just never say anything? So, so first of all, my parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were divorced at that time? Very, they, were, they were divorced for like 20 or so years already at that time. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that, that's an interesting. Yeah. Can I go on a tangent and just ask about like growing up? So you, you didn't, you, what was your who did you live I think with? That would be like a, really a whole you? other episode. Okay, okay, that's true, that's true. Yeah, okay, listen, we will we will do another say, episode. Listen, we will. I'll just I'll just say like this. I can't really, I can't really say that as a child I noticed how my parents being divorced affected me, but as I became an adult, and you know, probably even going into adolescence, as I became aware of what a divorce is, and as I you know, kind of like started to like put different pieces together of as to, you know, you know, was I treated differently by my friends? You know, was I, you know, like for example, just like, uh, again, well, we could stay on this site for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't as good as, as good at sports as other kids. You know, I was always like among the last third of the kids in my class to get picked, you know, for, for sports events. And, you know, Probably because I didn't have a father 
in my life on an everyday basis that can teach me to play ball. Right. That's, that's true. It's a huge thing. You know? Yeah. You know, so now as a child, did I really understand that because I didn't have a father at home to teach me to play ball, that I was going to be treated differently and that, you know, that, that, that I understood, you know, what everything meant. No, of course I didn't understand all of this. But, you know, later on when I was looking, when I'm looking at some of my own, you know, issues and traumas and, and what have you and trying to like, you know, treat everything and unwrap everything, I can say, oh, this is probably where that came from. Right, right. Sure. Yeah, that's a big part of being growing up and maturing and therapy very often. Right. That's a big part of it. Something yeah. that sometimes we only figure out too late or later than we would have liked. So, well, we don't have so much time for this first episode, so I want I, to get to the... Right. So, so, sure. so I was saying, so my father was, was, was like very much hands-off. Mm-hmm. And my mother, also mostly hands-off, but, you know, but, but if there was someone that was worth, you know, having my wife meet... But, there was somewhere to my mother meet you know, a potential life candidate that I would have, I would have, you know, out of respect for my mother, I would have, you know, say, Hey mom, you know, meet so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And I can tell I, I remember that uh, my first wife did not make a first good, imp- a first, a good first impression on my mother. Not that, uh, not that my mother, my mother never did, didn't tell me to, to, uh, to not get engaged to her, but, but you felt it, I did, you know, it's, you know, kind of like, are you sure about this? Uh-huh. You know, I was like, if you're okay, if you say so, you know, hey, I'm going to tell you that you can or can't marry, but are you sure? You know, it's kind right. of like her, her own subtle that, way of, of saying, like, you know, there, there, there's some flags here. Right. Okay, wow. So were there flags but, that you, you know saw what? at the time? Yeah, sorry. I like this. There's, when, when things go sideways... You know, I, I haven't really, I haven't come across one couple or one individual who's, who's been in a marriage that ended poorly where there weren't flags. But the thing is that all too often when we are dating and when we have, be it, you know, outside pressures or influences or just, you know, like social pressures or our own pressures. And if, when we are Sort of when we're when we are if you're dating with some sort of a bias, so to speak, with some sort of a preconceived notion, like like I want it to go a certain way, it's very easy to right. either rationalize or you know denial, turning the blind eye, whatever you want to call it. It's very easy to look away from all those flags, but then ultimately, when the when the stuff hits the fan, you know mm-hmm. like. You know, it's not like I didn't know this was this could happen. Right. Well, that that's really interesting as you say that. I, I never thought of it that way. That you know, anytime some you know, anytime the relationship doesn't work, there there were flags. But I guess is that just maybe because like everybody has some red flags? Are there people with no red flags at all? Does that exist? Uh, so I don't necessarily know that that you know the flags. I don't necessarily know if it's like so much on the person. Mm. I don't, I don't have a medical definition of flag also. I guess it's just, right. just fault. Well, I guess just listen, character you know, fault. look, here's, here's the thing. And, and if there's anyone who's, who's going to be listening to this, who's either dating the first time around or dating, you know, 
multiple times around. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with dating. When we are dating, we are putting on our, our, our best behaviors. We have certain expectations of how dates going to go. And, you know, like we're getting dressed up, you know, nicer than we would normally dress. And we're, we're putting on our best manners. We are putting on a show. We're acting in a certain way. We're not necessarily opening up our real selves when we go on a, on a date because like, oh, well, you know, if, if she would know that, you know, that I don't like taking out the garbage and I leave the toilet seat up, well, then she's not going to marry me. Because who wants to be married to that? You know, if if she would know that I that I snore, she's not going to marry me. So I'm not going to talk about my snoring. You know, I'm not going to talk about, you know, how much credit card debt I have. I'm not going to talk about how many times I, I may have switched jobs in the last five years. I'm not going to talk about any dysfunction that might exist between me and my parents. Or, you know, like we're not talking about those real heavy scary topics when we're dating because we don't, we don't, we don't want to be rejected over those things, but all this stuff is going to come out at some point, you know, you can't, you can't run from that forever. And the thing is, is that there's a common misconception that marriage thrives on keeping the peace. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it's actually quite the opposite is true that, Wow. If you're, if you've never fought with your spouse, then your relationship with your spouse is so superficial. Mm. If you've never had a, uh, right? like my wife and I, thank God, my second wife, we can, we can disagree. We can rock the boat. We can have hard talks. We can call each other out on our own Michigas because, mm. because our relationship is just that strong because mm-hmm. because we we my, the second time around we made the decision between us that when we, when we were dating that we're not going to be those actors this time around mm-hmm. and it's it's, it's yes, also it is, her second yes, time around. Is, correct correct mm-hmm. but we made right. that decision that we're not going to be fake there's no surprises there's no surprise like it's not going to be a case where we're going to stand in the chapa and then, you know, a few days later, like, oh, you know, well, like, oh, your mom, does, your mom doesn't like you or you don't like your mom <laughs> right. or your dad doesn't like you. You don't like your dad or, you know, like, you know, oh, you're uh, you're losing your job in a month. For, you know, like, whatever the case may be, whatever, like toilet seats, whatever, like, positions. Got to yeah, remember that one. Taking the garbage. To it. Yeah. You know, all right. that stuff. Like, like we're not, not we're not, not going to be a surprise after we stood under the chuppah, like we're going to stand on the chuppah, we are going to be clean, pure, holy, connected, and we're going to take that holiness and that connection, and we're going to build a house around that. Right. Wow. Is you there a way to like, capture so, that and do that the first time around? Anyone listening? No, I listen. I listen. You know what? If anybody wants to work with me as a, as a dating coach and learn how to present your honest, real self, your pure self with confidence in a way that I assure you will make you 10 times more attractive to God willing, your future spouse than your fake self could ever be. Because newsflash to all the men, or I, I know that any women who are listening to this are going to love what I'm about to say. 
and this mm-hmm. is a bit of a newsflash to all the men. It's a the it's a men's podcast. Through us, women's are not supposed to be listening. Okay. It's only for men. Fine. Well, okay. Yeah. So here here we go. Okay. You know, the cover is blown. <laughs> women see right. right through us, right? The women right. are created with a beanie of Sarah. What does that mean? They see right through all of our garbage. Whatever, whatever it is that we think we're getting away with, they are allowing us to think that we're getting away with it because mm. they already understand that it's easier that we should hang on to our confidence. We should hang on to our, our presentation and think that we're perceived a certain way. Because it's better for our ego and for the man to have a solid ego is good. Is really, it's good for the marriage. Mm-hmm. But what's even better is for the man to not have to put on a show. And for mm-hmm. the man to just feel comfortable in his own skin. And, and you, you t- and listen, now women, okay, women generally don't feel comfortable in their own skin. Why do you think women have to wear makeup? Why do you think women are so concerned with, about, about fashion? And how they appear. Why? Because women are wired in such a way that they generally don't feel comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. And so they have to go out of their way to beautify themselves. So like attractive for men. Right? Men are supposed to have that confidence. Now, wow. if a man can express his own imperfections confidently and, and present that I expect to be accepted as I am with all of my imperfections, and I'm okay with that. I've learned how to accept imperfections. If you can convey this to your spouse or your future spouse and let your spouse or future spouse know that they can feel comfortable in their own skin without having to put up a front or a presentation in order to, for you to find them attractive, you mm-hmm. are going to have the, you're going to be in that 1% of blissful marriages, truly beautiful and blissful marriages. I guarantee you. Wait, in that you said 1%, you think only 1% of marriages are blissful? Like truly, truly blissful? Yes. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, incredible things you shared. Incredible, wise things about just dynamics that are very interesting. Think about it. Think about it. Like, yeah. do Do you agree with me that on the point that when we're dating, we're pretty much fake while we're dating? Both ways, men mm. and women. Uh, to different degrees, I would say. And also, you know, the first date, the second date, you know, as time goes, it, it kind of stabilizes. But, okay. but so, it's... So, so at the very least, we, 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 would we agree that we wouldn't dress the same way on the fifth date as we would on the first date? Yeah, I would say usually the fifth date. By then, it's often more casual, depending on... Okay, now, shouldn't, shouldn't it be the opposite? Shouldn't it really be the hmm. opposite? By the fifth date, you're you're way more invested. There's no investment on the first date. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you have to bother getting all dressed up for? It's just the first date. You can be, you can go in being very casual. But by the fifth date, it's already now a person you're going out with five times. Don't you want to show more respect to the person you've gone out with five times? The person you've never gone out with before. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I mean, by that, if if you follow on that track, you know, by, by the time you're married for five years, you're going to be wearing like a tux every day. Yes, you so, should. Except, except, uh, except. Here's the thing. Now, now I'm going to show you how it all how it all ties together, and how it's all like so beautiful. Okay, because mm-hmm. there's no greater sign of respect to your significant other than being your natural self. So, if mm-hmm. you weren't wearing a tux on the first date, when you weren't being your natural self, it is in fact like the 
not showing that same level of respect. But on the fifth date, if you're already being more casual, if you're already being more of your natural self, then yes, that is absolutely showing that, that higher level of respect. So, like, so we think that casual means, okay, put it down, let the card down. I'm not, I'm not as concerned. All right, she's already gone out with me, you know, four other times. So I figure I can take it easy. But mm-hmm. really, when we're quote unquote taking it easy, what we're really doing is we're letting the significant other see more of our real self. But that's good. That's what you're advocating. That, yeah, that, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But most of the, I mean, I'm trying to like bring out here that most of the time when people are getting casual by the fifth date, it's not because they're consciously deciding that they want to be more open and transparent with this significant other, but rather it's because, hey, listen, this person has already said yes to me four other times. This is the fifth yes that I've gotten out of this person. Okay, like mm-hmm. I don't I don't have to wear a tie anymore, right? Like I don't I don't, I don't have to put on the same level of show. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're when you're saying like, okay, I'm still in the mode of putting on a show, I'm just gonna I, just, yeah. I'm, I, I by now I decided that I don't have to put on as much of a show. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I think I see what you're saying. I mean, it's it's uh, it's an interesting dichotomy, I guess would be the word. Like they, they're they're becoming more casual, but they're not necessarily opening themselves up more. It's not the kind of casual. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's, that's very interesting. I, I didn't think we were going to be talking about dating so much, but I think this is really good. Well, you're, the one who, you're the one who went there. Yeah. No, there's so many things. I mean, when I talk to people, there's just the, the, the topics, each one, each topic we touch on is, a, is an episode. And, and I am probably going to try to bring people back. And I'm definitely going to bring you back because we're not going to have anywhere near enough time that I would like to talk to you about so many things. And I'll just say, like, we, we didn't we didn't mention it yet in, in our discussion, but you are a divorce mediator. You're a coach. I mean, well, yeah, why don't I let you say it? Like, you have a lot of perspective besides your own personal story, which you shared a lot. You have professional stories and experience. Yeah. So, you know, let's, you know thank you. And, um, you know, my, my journey has taken me to the point where I've, I've put in a lot of time in studying relationships and study like the psychology of relationships. So uh, spousal relationships, courtship, you know, like, you know, pre-spousal relationships, relationships between parents and children and, you know, how, how to develop a good marriage, you know, because the thing is my parents went through a divorce. My mother's Mm -hmm. parents went through a divorce. I went through a divorce. I'm remarried Mm -hmm. now to a woman who went through a divorce whose parents went through a divorce and whose father's parents went through a divorce. Oh, wow. And co- <laughs> yeah. it runs in the family. And collectively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of well, does. You know, the many thing times. Is, is, that, is that my wife and I are very much dedicated to trying so desperately hard, really doing whatever it is that we would ever have to do to break that cycle. Right. You know, there's nothing, there, there is nothing that would give me, you know, a greater sense of accomplishment then to reach 120 with zero of my children ever having to go through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Like if I could achieve that. And grandchildren then by then, I, I will, hope. Amir Tashem. Grandchildren amen, also. Amen, amen. Yeah. Wow. I would, I would feel as if like that, like I fulfilled a, a sense of purpose. You know, that like I, I broke the cycle. I did it. Right. I did it. You know, I saved future generations from just having to deal with, that trauma and and so 
being so dedicated to this in my own personal life, I, 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 I've studied the topic and, and I, I realized that, that I really do have what to give to, to others, you know, who are seeking help and guidance in any of these topics, be it dating, marriage, divorce, you name it, because at the end of the day, it all, it all comes down to, you know, to, to how you deal with your own self and how your own mm-hmm. self deals with others. You know, ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't love yourself, you can't love anyone else, mm-hmm. period. Absolutely. So number one is you have to work on yourself. You have to be able to truly, truly love yourself. Now, if anyone who has had some sort of, you know, trauma or dysfunction in their childhood, maybe doesn't really know how to love themselves so well because they had some bumps along the way from a very young age. You know, that's called trauma. Right. Um, and so there's different ways to work through that trauma. Yeah. And, the, and, you know, and, yeah. I'll just mention there's a great book. There's a book by Rabbi Yisrael Roll. And what you said, I think, is basically the title. I think it's called Love Yourself and Stay Married. Uh, and <laughs> That's the gist of it is that uh, the root of it is really yourself. You've got a, that relationship yeah. with yourself is, is really the starting point. It's just a, not something common. It's not, it's not a given. We get caught up in life and we, we neglect that very most important relationship. Now, I just, you know, on the topic of loving yourself, I just want to clarify, okay? You know, loving yourself does not mean that you, you make sure that you treat yourself to, you know, a trip to the spa. It does not mean that, you know, hashtag self care for dinner. You know, yeah. listen, you know, self care does not mean spoil yourself. Right. Because if you're spoiling yourself, you're not actually taking care of yourself. You're ruining yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, self care is really about putting yourself into a healthy frame of mind. And it's really also, you know, when we talk about like, if you're going to the spa out of self care, it's because, you know, you recognize that you have shortcomings. You recognize that you have limitations and that sometimes your batteries need to just get recharged. Right. You know, they, they, there are people who they, they don't, they don't give themselves that level of, of freedom. They don't give them that level of acceptance like of, of, of limitations. I, I can't accept my limitations. And sometimes, you know, to some people, you know, quote unquote, people pleasing, which is like the opposite of self-care but to them, that's their self-care because they are only—they're only comfortable with themselves as long as somebody else is, is approving of them. So mm-hmm. they are seeking their quote-unquote seeking self-care by seeking approval from others, which is very, very mm-hmm. backwards. But if you would ask them, they say no because you know I—I I feel a sense of worth when others are, are approving of me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? So the, the problem there is that we should never have our own self-worth based on how others value us. Mm-hmm. You know, our own self-worth right. has to be based on how we look at our own selves. Right. And if we're all talking about being, you know, dare I say, mm-hmm. then you, you, your measuring stick for self-approval is do people think of you as Ehrlich? Are you Ehrlich? Mm-hmm. You know, listen, actually, I, I take it back. It shouldn't even be that people think of you as Ehrlich. Because if all I'm worried about is whether or not people think that I'm Ehrlich, I'm not really going to be Ehrlich. I'm going to be the opposite of Ehrlich up until the point that I'm visibly 
not being Erlich, because all I'm worried about is do people think I'm Erlich? My, the question is, if someone challenges me as to whether or not I'm Erlich, do I have what to answer? And can I answer that with confidence? I mean, it, it shouldn't even be about if someone else would ask you. It's just if I ask myself, right? It would just be, can I look at myself and say, I'm Erlich and I'm proud of it and I'm proud of everything I've done. I don't really need, if anyone asks me, I mean, it should just never even entertain that. It's just, I don't even care. I think that's the well, message that, I get. That, that works yeah. too. Right. You know, so, you know, and, and you know, even there's, there's nothing that, that's not Erlich about being kind to yourself or, you know, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just that it's so a massage after you've had a stressful day and you need to like refresh and recharge. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think those are healthy things. And I, I, I'm thinking as you're talking, like it's, 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 it's kind of interesting because it's sort of, I don't know how to reconcile this. Like, I'm sure there's, and I know from being in yeshiva and I know, especially I think Beis Yaakov's are even more, you know, inclined to say, that your spouse's happiness is really a priority. And as, as men also, your spouse, your, you know, your happiness of your wife is in, in a way should be prioritized over your own. And that's true, right? It still is true, even though you need to have that relationship with yourself. So like, I, I think that's something that we get lost in. I think it's kind of hard to find that balance. Like, I don't know what, where, where the line is, what the definition is. Do you have, do you have any ideas about that? Like, how, how do you know when you're, when you need to focus on yourself? A lot of people don't know that in, intuitively. Yeah, you know, listen, it's very, it's very much out of, you know, it, it, it's not really so much in our wheelhouse, so to speak, to focus on ourselves. We are very much into, into doing chesed, mm-hmm. and we are very much into keeping up with the Joneses, and, you know, we all want to send our kids to the same tap yeshivas and seminaries and, and all that stuff, and, you know, it's very hard, you know, listen, Generally speaking, you know, if, if from family, if you have, let's just say six children, okay, six is a nice, nice number, right? Mm-hmm. A big number, six kids. It's a very nice number. If you have six kids, chances are that one of those six kids is going to be, is not going to fit in the box. Mm-hmm. Chances are okay. one out of six is not going to fit in the box. Interesting because boxes have is, six sides, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> One side will be open so you could put stuff in. Yeah. But you know, just think about one side is going to be open so you could put some stuff in. That's, that's really just like such a beautiful metaphor. Mm-hmm. Because if, if, if it's a closed box, then, then it's a closed box. Then you don't really, you're not really looking to put anything in it. You're really just looking at it and want mm-hmm. it to just kind of like stay there and stay, be static and be closed and, not make any problems. Hmm. Right? Just, just be here. Like, oh, you know what? Hashem blessed me with six children. How great would it be if my six children could just do what they're supposed to and give me all that nachas that everyone wished for me to have for my kids? And, and you know, none of them should be high maintenance. None of them should, should have ADHD. None of them should need to see therapists. They should all just kind of like be mm-hmm. that box that just like sits there and gives me nachas just from looking at it. A nachas box. A nachas box. Cause... But you know what? At the end of the day, anyone who mm-hmm. is raising children that are presenting any kinds of challenges to them, everybody knows that the parents get the most nachas from the kids 
that give them the most problems. Because why? Because mm-hmm. think about it. If you're a professional at any level, which jobs do you get the most satisfaction out of? The easy mm-hmm. ones or the really hard ones? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, the challenges, definitely. The challenging right. jobs. So the challenging jobs that we get done, right? When I have, when I have a, a couple that unfortunately might want to be going through a divorce, and if first of all, if I can, if I could talk them out of getting divorced, what a win! What does that does win. that happen? Like, does that kind of thing happen on a? Happened, um, I don't know. It's happened to me. It's happened to me. I can honestly say that I've saved more marriages than I've ended. Wow, that's 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 incredible. You mean a couple will come to you for divorce I'll, mediation I'll, I'll also, and end up staying married after a session? Or two, I mean, or I'm, three? I'm saying not, not after one session. Right, right, right. But I mean, after meeting uh, with you? Yes, yes. This is, Sometimes, I'm making notes. I want to I wanna talk to you about how that kind of thing even happens. That's, sure. that sounds quite incredible. I'll also, say, I'll, I'll also say that, that, that sometimes, sometimes I think that perhaps I, I lose clients because I, maybe I, I push too hard for them to look at some, you know, again, you know, you talk about, you know, transparency and like being your real self. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes the marriages, they fall apart when there's just this like entire stubbornness or unwillingness to be your real self in the marriage and to, Mm -hmm. to keep, to keep insisting, you know, on, on faking it because you're so attached to that false identity Mm -hmm. and you're so convinced that like, like, look at this, uh, look at, look at our own culture. And and, and I I love, I love my tribe. I would, I would Mm -hmm. never, trade with anyone in any other tribe we are definitely me you know like i'm a big fan of my people mm-hmm. and you know but that being said you know our jewish our beautiful jewish nation can sometimes be very clicky again mm-hmm. we compete for spots in, in 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 the same yeshivas we compete for spots in the same seminaries we compete mm-hmm. for houses on on specific blocks and specific neighborhoods there's a lot of oh status. yeah. I mean, we we've been clicky since uh, Parshas Vayeshev. Right. You know, there's a lot of status that we pursue, and I like I get it. I get it because, you know what? At the end of the day, right? You know, you want your kids to marry the the bachrim from the top yeshivas. You want your girls to marry, you know, girls from the top seminaries. You want mm-hmm. we want the best, but I think that what we miss is that. We, do, we say that we want the best instead of saying that we want the best for ourselves or the best for our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. I might have a kid who, for them, their best possible shidduch is not going to come from the best yeshiva, the best family. That's just not the personality. They need somebody else. My kid mm-hmm. doesn't want to be a cola guy. So right. that seminary girl is not the right shidduch for, for my kid who, who wants to be a mechanic. Right, right. There basically is no so, definition of the best. There's right. no objective measure. Right. So, you know, so we have, we have you know, the, the, the kids that we raise, they become fiercely competitive or, you know, they, they flounder. And, you know, all of these, these different nuances, all these, you know, all these different stuyotes, so to speak, they, they haunt us for years, you know, down the road. You know, how many times, 
how many failing marriages have I been a part of where it was falling apart because the the guy had like no self-esteem for himself because he was he was never a top learner, never good enough, not the favorite child in his like clearly the unfavored child in his family. Never, you know, never a source of nachas to his parents. Wow. You know, and like, you know, couldn't, couldn't make it in this yeshiva, couldn't make it in that yeshiva. Never mm-hmm. had anyone to just like really support him. Always like push, parents pushed too hard. The, the rabbis pushed them too hard. You know, unfortunately, sometimes these are the people who walk away from the tribe. Right. And when they tell me about, you know, how they feel, like, I, I get it. I get it because like we didn't accept them in the first place. So you're saying then, then this this guy goes into a marriage and these things come out and well, well, okay so what did i say what did, what did we say like i don't know like maybe like 10 minutes ago we mm-hmm. said love yourself save your marriage that was the name of the book by rabbi Wolf right. you, you threw out there right right love yourself save your marriage so if if this child never got love because he was he was never because he, he didn't fit in the box and I kept that box closed and I was never willing to put anything extra into that box as a parent. And so now I have this underdeveloped child. And now I'm, I'm telling this child, he's got to go out and get married and give me anagos and give me nachas. And the child doesn't, doesn't know how to love his spouse because he doesn't know how to love himself. So right. how, how is this child going to have a successful marriage? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It, it stays, it, 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 these kind of things linger and, you know, sometimes, People don't realize it on their own. They have to be woken up somehow or, you know, someone needs to be involved, I guess. I don't know how it how it how it plays out. But yeah, the 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 spouse who has had this background, they will need to I don't know how they, they either figure it out on their own. Now listen, or... you know, and look, look, I mean, I gave you the scenario from the side of a boy just because of like kind of more textbook. And just like mm-hmm. easier to hear. But, you know, this, the same thing can be said of, you know, from the girl's side. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, these, these things apply to both, who, for sure. Yeah. But it's a guy's podcast, so uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. They may, yeah. No, but, nah. no, but, no, but listen, but, but, but you want to, you, you know, we, listen, we talked earlier about red flags. Right. We spoke earlier about red flags. These are where the red flags come from. When, when if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't seem to possess strong capacity for self-love, red mm-hmm. flag. Red mm-hmm. flag. Listen. That's very interesting. I mean, that that's that's easier said than done, but I guess that makes sense. It's probably one of the biggest red flags. I would say it's 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 the most critical red flag. Mm-hmm. Wow, the most critical red flag. I wonder. Uh, okay, we we're 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 at end time, but uh, let's. Oh, I want to. I'd want to go more into that at a different time. And it's a great. It's a great. It's a great cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the biggest red flag. If you want to know how to find it, tune in next time. Yeah, I, I think I think we'll 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 wrap it up there. I mean, this went in in very interesting directions, um, and and I'm I'm so happy it did. We covered so many interesting things, and you really have an incredible depth of experience and wisdom. You could tell anyone listening could easily tell that you've spent a lot of time thinking and and working in this area and working on yourself. And so you know what I really lack. What I really lack is one thing that I, I, I do a very, very poor job at is being able to quote things with shame Omro. Mm-hmm. That is, because, for whatever reason, when I, when I was going through my, my learning phase, 
I was absorbing a lot of information very quickly and really not even so much, definitely not take, taking enough notes and not really paying attention to like what I was reading, what page it was, because I, I, I wish if I could do a better job of saying, oh, Dr. So-and-so, again, like you, know, you quoted a book that, mm-hmm. you know, quoting stuff is like so critical, which is why like really I mentioned on the, on the, on the chat, I want to interview, I also want to interview people and I want to collect stories and I want to catalog all the stories. And then I want to write articles where I can take slices of real stories from real people without using names and, per, you know, without using, you know, exact details, but just that this was told. I have a story about this. And I have a story, story like that. I have a story like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when you can sure. insert stories into your content, it just really brings the content to life on a whole other level. And sure, sure. Anybody who's I, been uh, to a, a Rabbi Pesach Krohn speech can relate exactly. to that. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just, I, I wish that, you know, as I'm giving over some of these concepts, I really wish that I could do it and say, oh, you know, such and such, Dr. So-and-so in his book, right. whatever, says this. But I don't have that information properly cataloged in my brain, unfortunately. Right, right. Okay, we'll let you off on that. I mean, anyone listening, if you heard any wisdom on this show from Batsalel, it it might not be directly his own material. It, it might be, but maybe not. So uh, it, get in it, touch with him to clarify. My, <laughs> right. It's mostly not my own direct material. It, it's definitely not. And and I wouldn't want anyone to, to get the false impression that it is. Well, um, so, I, some I of it. I mean, I mean you're, you distill it in your own way. Yeah. You remember okay, yes, I, sharing it and... Yeah. There's a lot of your own experience in there that could only be yours, so that's valuable. And and there's so much more. I mean, we we only we 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 talked for uh, I think almost an hour, and and yeah, uh, and, and we're, we scratched the surface. And I definitely want to talk to you again. I want to go. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other topics I want to talk to, and I want to talk to you about more about your experience with parental alienation. That's a big one, and your experience sure. as a mediator, and then you know, and other you know adjacent domains. You have so much to share, and I, we got. We got only a little fraction of it, but there's only so much time. So uh, any right. any last words before we close this episode? Any last words before we close this episode? You know, I, I mean, listen, I would just say that if anybody wants to, I would, I would just do like, a, you know, a, a totally shameless plug and say, you know, if anybody wants to get in touch with me for either mediation services or coaching services, they can find me online www.shalomfamilymediation.com phone number is 646-493-9783 and you can send an email to info at shalomfamilymediation.com fantastic and i'll I'll put that in the show notes as well and uh, yeah if you're listening you've you've heard batal and he's highly recommended resource so if you're in a situation where you think he could help anything marriage related Dating related because it's all it's all related it's all intertwined right it's, if you date absolutely the right way you get married the right way and if you get married the right way you don't have to come to me right. for for mediation you right. know, but but if you date the wrong way and you're married the wrong way then you will ultimately want to come to me for you'll mediation have to come to the cell anyways oh. exactly yeah either way Wow. So, uh, well, hopefully not, not necessarily, but, but definitely, definitely uh, give, give Batsalel a call or an email if you, if you have any questions about any of these kind of issues. And I really hope we'll speak again, Batsalel. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing so I'm, I'm much. I'm sure you haven't heard the last from me. Uh, yeah. 
I hope not. I hope not. I hope we'll be in touch. All right. Okay. Thank thanks you. so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Serious podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Help us reach more men in our community and help them navigate their relationships and build the best lives for themselves and their loved ones.